Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast. I'm Bobby Darren here with ScarletNation.com of the 24-7 Sports Network. Talking Rutgers football today, in particular, uh, all the news that's going on with Rutgers' first opponent of the year, Northwestern. Head coach Pat Fitzgerald was fired this week because of hazing uh, incidents. And, and there's a whole, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard about it. it it's, it's a whole mess <laughs> in North, at Northwestern. And who does Northwestern open with this season? They open with Rutgers. Um, to help me kind of sort everything out and put these things in perspective, I'm joined by my, by my man, Chris Sakonis, our newest member, Chris. Great having you on board again. And, uh, you know, what, what's going on here? You wrote about this Northwestern stuff uh, and, and what's going on and what it means. What, what's, uh, what do you think the biggest thing to come out of this in terms of Rutgers' perspective is concerned? I know there's a lot... That, that went into it and it's a national story, but Rutgers opens up with them. So, you know, our listeners are, are curious how, Hey, how's this going to impact that game? That's a great question, Bobby. And to be blunt, I, I think a lot of that hasn't really been answered yet because the biggest factor out of all of this, besides, you know, all the stuff that, you know, led us to this point from just a strict roster perspective for a second is you now have, it would be 30 days from when the coach is fired. So now it's 29 days uh, and counting 30 days to enter the portal. If you're a player on the Northwestern football team right now, now we don't know how many are going to do it as of the time we're recording this podcast. I haven't seen anyone enter the portal, um, but that could change relatively quickly. So that's the first thing to keep an eye on, not just if people leave, but if key people leave um, and Northwestern's a team that as I wrote in, in the article this morning, added some pieces uh, in the transfer portal, most notably their presumptive starting quarterback, Ben Bryant. He uh, was coming off of a nine and two record in games that he started for Cincinnati last year. And he was my guy to watch on the offensive side of the ball. We don't know. And I'm not going to speculate about a specific player, whether or not they come and go. But for instance, if that's someone that leaves, you know, now Northwestern has a huge gap in their offense and they have no way of covering it because it's just, that that's just the way the portal works. It's pretty much one way traffic if anyone decides to leave. Um, so the roster is a big thing uh, to look at here. And that I think is the biggest question mark. I think that's something that we're not really going to have some real light on for the next couple of weeks. Cause I think a lot of players are having those conversations with themselves and with people around them. Now, if I had to, if I had to guess, um, so and it's a messy you know situation. Else? You know what else, Chris? It's, it's it's worth mentioning that we've seen guys go in the portal, and timing of it is everything. And now there's it's not you know as fruitful in the portal because the it, the window closed. So if you have a guy or two who who, uh, who really can sense that another team has needs, um, can sense or somebody reaches out, you know, uh, in, in a in a in a roundabout kind of way, that they, they could become a more valuable commodity than they would when the portal is, you know, brimming with players. So it's something that they can think about because they can be artificially pushed up in the pecking order. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I'm not as in tune with their roster to know which guys might really benefit from that, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And, um, you know, there, there's some other areas, the, the other coaching staff too, Chris, I'm what, what's, you know, what do you think that, uh, staff will look like when the season starts? Well, from what the earlier reporting has been today from ESPN and and I believe a couple other sources too, uh, is that the coaching staff, um, the coordinators, everyone on down, unless you know if someone decides to resign or step down on their own volition, they're going to be there 
for this season. They, they said they're going, their plan is to keep the staff intact. Um, their defensive coordinator who was hired back in January is currently the interim head coach. I think the phrase they used was liaison. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're planning on bringing in an, like another interim coach just for the season. I haven't seen a straight answer from anyone covering the story on that. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be the case, but regardless, the staff, um, at least for the moment, looks like it's going to be largely intact and that could at least, you know, make things a little less chaotic than otherwise it would have been if half your assistants are gone, for instance. Um, but it's still a very, very messy situation. It's an awful situation. And I mean, there's going to be a lot of fallout from this, I think for a long time. And, you know, I don't know many teams that really went too far with a liaison head coach to to begin the season. So they might be in, in disarray for a while. And, you know, you also have that moniker now put on these players. You know, are these players involved with it? What's it like? I mean, that can't be good for morale or motivation. I mean, you know, I know some people might say it's an us against the world mentality, but it just seems hard to believe that this team's going to come out firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I, I mean, we're in terra incognita here, so I, I don't know exactly how they're going to respond, but from where it looks from my perspective, I have to agree with you, Bobby. I mean, um, there's a ton of attention right now at a time when the news cycle around college football is pretty much just season previews, you know, media days haven't started up yet. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, training camps haven't started up yet. This is really the quiet period. So for this to happen, I mean, it's bad if it happens at any time. It'd be a national story at any time. But for it to happen now, at this point in the offseason, the microscope is on the entire program. And that has to be demoralizing if you're a Northwestern football player, because it all it almost feels like the whole world um, is coming out, you know, and, and condemning what reportedly took place at this program. And understandably so. But if you're one of the players mm-hmm. on, on that team right now, I, I just I can't I can't see them coming out fired up and, and ready to play, as, as you would say. And, you know, and I've been to a ton of media days and, and now it's typically a team like Northwestern isn't generating a lot of attention at those media days from national writers or writers from different markets. Um, you know, if, if if we go out there, we're typically not going to I mean, not going to do much with the Northwestern head coach. Um, you know, especially in the year when Rutgers isn't playing them. But now, it, whoever's out there, I mean, they're probably going to be bombarded with questions. And it's, it's got to be something that just hangs over them like a, like a dark cloud through the whole season. Week and a half until Big Ten media days, I'd have to think a lot of attention on whoever ends up going. And I, I feel like Northwestern, I mean, Bobby, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. the last time like there was a league media day and a team like didn't have any representation. So I, I, th- I feel like they have to send someone. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be in the position of picking who would have to go. <laughs> I'd assume the coach would at least go. Um, right. But in any case, it almost doesn't matter because the same questions are going to be asked regardless. Um, right. No, but nobody's going to care about what they did during their summer break. It's going to be, you know, no. all about this incident. Right. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's an ugly situation, um, you know, for the players on that program and just for the program as a whole, because that's the kind of thing that just I mean, one, it can't happen. And two, you know, the fact that it did now you basically if you're Northwestern, you pretty much have to, you know, tear everything to the ground and start over in the long run. And and mm-hmm. you know, a school like Northwestern that prior to the last couple of coaches was 
in a really, really bad situation as far as Big Ten schools were concerned. Um, mm-hmm. That's not going to be an easy job. Yeah. And, and Pat Fitzgerald's been there for so long. Uh, you know, he was the face of the program. You know, he built a culture there. And and like you said, they're knocking it down. And, and it wasn't like they're coming off a stellar year to begin with. And I also wanted to make a point. You know, they're playing Rutgers on a, on a Sunday. They're going to be the only game on. I can't imagine anybody tuning in around the country is going to be uh, rooting for them. So there might be some extra Rutgers fans, you know, uh, tuning in that day saying, hey, let's beat the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're Northwestern and you're trying to, you know, manage the media fallouts around this, you can't be looking at the TV schedule of a standalone game on CBS and and, and thinking to yourself, you know, that's the position you want to be in. Um, I talked about, you know, the microscope being on the program. That's going to be especially true when that game kicks off, no matter what position the team is in at that point. Um, so it's just it's just an ugly situation. And it's just it's really yeah. unfortunate that they're in it. Um, and it's just, it's not good for anybody. And now it's just, you're going to have to wait and see what the rest of the fallout is here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for Rutgers, it's, it's a, you know, to start the season with the win is important. It doesn't matter who they play, you know, with with the schedule, uh, we've talked about this at length, you know, playing in the big tennis, it's just a gauntlet every year. So whenever you can get a win, you get a win. And this, this is a must win game now, especially with everything going on. They're not going to be coming out as a team. Uh, like I said, it's firing on all cylinders. We presume um, I'm, I'm talking about Northwestern. So Rutgers is, is, you know, should be coming in hungry, focused. Um, and, and, you know, it could be a game where they, it's not a close one. They, they should come in, you know, they could come in and, and, you know, put that defense on them and, and really put the clamps down. So uh, it would be a great start to the season for the Scarlet Knight, Chris. It would be a great start to the season, and you start 1-0 in Big Ten play if you win that game. Then you've got what I think is a pretty favorable non-conference slate of uh, Temple, Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech, Wagner. Forgive me if those aren't in the exact order. I might be mixing them up, but those are the three um, that are in the Mm -hmm. non-conference schedule. So you could be in a position where you're ending the month of September – if, if the cards break the right way, you could theoretically be four and one through five weeks, uh, which would be yeah. a pretty, pretty good position to be in. Even if you're three and two, that's not the worst spot to be in. You got to nab three wins in the last two months uh, to be bowl mm-hmm. eligible in that case. But I do think the potential for four and one is there. Um, but Northwestern, mm-hmm. I think, is going to be a bellwether because if Rutgers is able to get that win, there, that's going to be. You know, not just from a football perspective, but from a psychological perspective, you start one and oh, you're feeling good. It success breeds success. Um, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, if if you know the game doesn't go the way Rutgers wants it to, then you know that ratchets up the pressure for Temple and Virginia Tech, and that's where you know things um become a little bit more high pressure. But if Rutgers can get off to a win in this situation, and like you said, a win is a win, they all count the same. In the win-loss column, especially when it's a Big Ten win, which Rutgers, you know, are, are trying to get more of those, so they're particularly in the position where they want to get that. Um, I, I think it's a it's a huge game for Rutgers, and um, let's see if they can uh, they can come away with it. And you know, in a, every season takes on its own trajectory, but in those seasons that are more memorable than others, there's the series of times when, when you catch a break, you know what I mean? You catch a team at the right time, your schedule works out. This, you know, is a a terrible thing to happen. I'm not saying it's, you know, it should be something that we look at just for their benefit, but when they play them, when Rutgers plays Northwestern, it's, it's a time that you think that Northwestern is not going to be playing their best football. 
So to start off the season already, maybe with something breaking your way, um, it, it could really carry them. You have a team that's coming back with some very good defensive players. You have an offense that has shown some promise for the first time in a long time in the spring, Chris, we, we I saw, you saw um, a team that, is is starting to, to to build something and and in the past um you know i've watched the, the offense just get clobbered in the spring and and, and kind of say wow this is gonna be a tough year but we saw glimpses of that offense coming to life so if that can happen and they can go out and, and take this first game you're you're in front of a national audience it's not only it's not last time i checked there's not too many college football games on sundays chris and you know, you could go out there and, and, and really put something together. And, and momentum's a funny thing in college sports. You know, you get a team start believing in themselves, playing well. I'm not saying they're going to go out and beat Ohio State, but, you know, a lot of good things could happen. So th- there's a lot of reason to be hopeful uh, for Rutgers fans to start this season. And, and curious to see how the, the offense kind of clicks with uh, Pat Flaherty running the offensive line. The guy has a great track record. It's the best, uh, you know, the most seasoned offensive coach they've had in there, offensive line coach they've had in there for a long time. And then you have Kirk Soraka running an, an offense that, that, you know, has been successful. He's done it. The players really like him, too. You know, you could see it on the practice field. They really get behind him. I never saw the same thing with Sean Gleason in his short stint there. There's really kind of a camaraderie that built quickly. Uh, they believe in what he's doing. Uh, Greg Schiano believes in what he's doing. He, he, you know, I mean, you can look at what Rutgers invested in him. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that could be, a, a, a you know, a, a game changer, so to speak. So um, a lot to be excited about, Chris. I think, uh, you know, you can go in feeling that, that if Rutgers really should come away that with that four and one start to the to the early part of the season. Yeah, and I think those are all good points, Bobby. To go back to your point on the offense, I think here's the biggest thing. You know, we, we saw the spring game. We got a glimpse of what the offense could look like. Um, but the biggest thing that that I'm thinking about when I look back at that is who wasn't on the field. Jaquay Jackson was not on the field. Nassim Brantley was not on the field. Uh, Sean Bowman, the tight end from uh, Maine, uh, was not on the field. Uh, these are guys that I think are all going to have pretty big roles in the offense that we haven't been able to see yet. Um, and I think they're going to make the offense a lot better. Um, so if that pans out and if these guys are as good as we think they're going to be and they fit in as well, and, and there are other names too that you know are coming back that I think could have an impact. But the transfers in particular, I think, are going to be important on this offense. Um, seeing mm-hmm. how those guys fit in is going to be pretty big. And if they can meet expectations, if they can produce the way that we think they can, you know, this could be a very different looking Rutgers offense. Yeah, it's something that fans and and even us covering the team have been waiting for because uh, you know the three announcers weren't doing it. And then you know the defense. Um, I, I mentioned it too. I think it can really uh, dig in their heels and and really give Northwestern a lot of fits in that opener because you have a lot of guys returning. You have, you know, veterans, guys who are going to play on Sundays. You have, you know, you look across the board at every level. You know, you, you're from your Aaron Lewis's and Wesley Bailey's to your, uh, you know, Tyreen Powell's, Deion Jennings, and 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 through with the Max Melton's and and Robert Longerbeams. You know, these these guys are good football players, and and it's not like they're just learning a new do new defense learning each other it's a it's a veteran group and it it could really make life difficult in that opener for northwestern yeah i mean i think that defense is going to compete against not just northwestern of course but i think they're going to be a a decent 
Big Ten defense, just in the context of the league as a whole. I mean, you've got, as you mentioned, a lot of returning players on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I really like the secondary there with guys like Max Melton, Robert Longerbeam, um, you know, leading the way. Um, I, I just, I really like this defense as a whole. I think that they're, um, honestly, I feel like they're ahead of where I maybe thought they would have been at the start of the rebuild. I think, you know, they took some big steps last year. I think they could take mm-hmm. another step this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, Chris, there was another one. I saw some of our posters and readers saying, well, you know, this could work against Rutgers with this Northwestern situation. They could be motivated. And I just don't see that that happening is them, the, as that team being the one who who uh, comes in hungrier and trying to prove something. I, I just I just don't see it in any scenario from a psychological perspective. I can't either. Um, the I, And I say that as someone who before this all happened, I had written my three must win games for bowl eligibility and Northwestern, I think, was at the top of the list. Um, uh-huh. I thought before all this happened, you know, bringing in a transfer quarterback who has had success, you know, bringing in some transfer receivers who have had power five careers. Um, you know, I thought this could have been like not a trap game because it's the opening game of the season, but like a game that maybe Rutgers doesn't quite, you know, like, like a game that, that sort of sneaks up on them a little bit. But after this, with the morale being what I can only assume it is at this point, Mm-hmm. If you're Rutgers, like you, you I, I don't see any way this helps Northwestern. I just don't. And and I think you touched a good part on it, the psychology of it. This is something that's going to be talked about amongst these players. I mean, that that's going to be the number one topic of this team all season. Um, they're going to hear it. You know, they're going to hear it on social media. They're going to hear it when they go out. They're going to hear it, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere. And, and it's tough to kind of really, you know, just push that all to the side. You're talking about, you know, a team of 85 players trying to take such a significant national story and, and bury it and come out and, you know, hundred percent focus with a new coaching staff. I mean, I mean, people, people in charge that haven't been in those positions. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I can't see them coming out with any kind of edge at all. And um, I, I think that also make Rutgers a bigger favorite in this game coming in too. When you, when you assume. Oh, yeah, I would think so. I don't know what, um, you know, from the betting perspective, the line was at before, but I'd have to imagine mm-hmm. Rutgers becomes, you know, if not, if they weren't favored before, they'd definitely be favored now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then the margin, I'm sure, would would probably move up a bit. Um, so, you know, I think that certainly would be the case, barring something really unanticipated happening. But I honestly mm-hmm. couldn't imagine what that could be at this point. Um, so, you know, it's it's not a good position to be in if you're Northwestern, um, just taking off the Rutgers side of things for a split second. I don't know where that program goes in the long run. Uh, obviously that's not the most important thing right now, but you know, it's just, it's just a difficult position to be in. Um, right. And you know, it certainly changes the dynamic of the matchup for Rutgers on week one. That's for sure. Early on, Chris, I, I don't like the early betting odds because they always change. Vegas knows what they're doing. So I don't pay too much attention to the early ones. But early on, who's your uh, – I'm going to put you on the spot. Offensive and defensive key players to that game. Who would it be for Rutgers? For, for that specific game, hmm, that's a good one. I'm going to say for the offense, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Jaquay Jackson here. I think, you know, he's going to come in. This is his first game in a Rutgers uniform. He's got the talent to play at a really high level as a receiver. A lot of schools were on him in his recruitment. I mean, Bobby, you've been singing his praises in the message boards all offseason. 
But week one, I think he's going to come out strong. Um, and then on the defensive side, I'm going to go with Max Melton. I, I think he's one of your key veteran guys. I think Northwestern, you know, if Rutgers run defense particularly gets off to a strong start, they're going to be in a lot of third and long situations. Um, mm-hmm. Quarterback's going to have to, you know, try to make things happen, sort of force through tight windows. And I think that's an area where he'll really thrive. Um, mm-hmm. So if if that's how the game works out, I think those two guys in particular uh, will be keys to watch. Great point. And, you know, I think if Max Mountain, I, is, that's a really good one on defense, because if he can come out and neutralize their their best receiver, it takes an option away. You know, it, and, and I think for him to have a productive year is going to be one where you don't see him with the crazy stats it, because people aren't going to go near him. They're not going to throw at him. And, and if he can do that early and shut down, you know, it's not like Northwestern has a, a you know, they have some 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 decent talent at receiver, but it's not like they have five, six options you know, when you're playing Ohio state. So that, that's this, I think he, he would be a great key. If he can lock one of those down, you know, it, it takes a, a lot of way and, and you have a new quarterback and, and um, so, uh, Hey, that might be a good uh, key to the game to follow uh, up, up through game time. So um, yeah, I mean, we've covered quite a bit on this, Chris, any other closing thoughts on, on this uh, unexpected and, and uh, you know, just, just ugly situation in Northwestern. Yeah, this isn't going to be a football point, but I said this on Twitter and I just feel like it bears repeating. Every journalist, uh, every student journalist, I should say, at Northwestern that covered this did just an outstanding job. It's as difficult of a story as you could probably imagine covering as a student journalist or just as a journalist, period. And they handled it professionally. They got the facts out in a pretty quick time frame. And we're sitting here on Tuesday evening when we're recording this and, you know, this first broke on Saturday to think of how fast this story moved. That doesn't happen without them, you know, asking questions, getting sources. So I want to, I want to give them a shout out. I thought they were terrific. Yeah, great point. Great point. And, and, uh, and, uh, great ups for them. And, 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 you know, for Rutgers fans, we'll be continuing to talk about this. This is a topic, like we said, it's not going to go away, especially with Rutgers opening up against Northwestern. So thank you for listening, Chris Sakonis. Thank you for joining us. I'm Bobby Darren for Rutgers 24-7, scarletnation.com. Go there. We're there 24-7. We're on the message boards. We have content for you nonstop. Uh, We'd love to have you on board. If you're not a VIP member, jump on. We have a reduced rate now. They can get you going every day of the year. So until next time, for Chris Sakonis, I'm Bobby Darren. We'll talk to you again.